the biggest thing that you can do is get to know yourself and you've got to observe what your thoughts are when you're about to fall asleep. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And today, we're just coming off of an incredible interview with Gino Wickman. Obviously, the one and only Gino Wickman. He's influenced a lot of you guys as entrepreneurs with his book Traction and Rocket Fuel and all of the different books that they put out with EOS. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to take some time and dig into those traits. So Gino talked about the six traits of an entrepreneur. And in, the, in that definition of trait is like it's a genetically determined characteristic in you, right? So it's something that is deep inside of you. Um, you either have those six traits or you don't is what he talked about. So those six traits are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And responsible being almost like that Jocko Willink extreme ownership concept, right? Uh, responsible being taking responsibility. Um, not necessarily I'm just a responsible person. Um, like I drive the speed limit. So visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker and responsible. And today is our first podcast that we're going to do. And we have six of these traits. And I just happen to have six of, in my opinion, the best entrepreneurs in the world on the board of directors for seven figure flipping. So I reached out to each of them and said, Hey guys, you, you each have all six of these traits, guys and gal, Becca's one of them, obviously you each have one of these traits or you each have all six of these traits. But there's one of them in each of you that I see that really kind of like shines above the rest. And today, we're going to start in order. We're going to talk about the visionary trait. And I think this is a huge one for entrepreneurs and business owners in, in like, where do you sit? And I brought in probably, arguably, the, the biggest visionary that I've ever met and somebody who has a ton, ton of vision, which I think you'll find out on this podcast. And you guys have heard him before and you've been to Flip Hacking Live, you've seen him on stage. Uh, it's Adam Ray. Hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm quarantined, but I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we're recording this on March 20th. So if you listen to it in the future, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? And um, I've kind of quarantined myself to my office today because my kids are home. It's a little crazy there and there's no one here at our office. And I know Adam's uh, in the same place at his office. So, um, so it's a little crazy right now, but we'll We'll see where we are even when we air this podcast. So it'll be interesting to see. The, um, so before we get started, what I want to do is I want to read a quick paragraph from, a paragraph from Gino's book, The Entrepreneurial Leap, that we went through on his podcast about visionary. So it's called about the first essential trait is a visionary. So I'm just going to read a quick paragraph and then we'll dive into it. Sound good? Sweet. Sounds great. This trait is measured by your ability to connect the dots see the big picture, and envision the future. Visionary is defined as being imaginative, creative, inventive, ingenious, enterprising, and innovative. You're a dreamer. You have a sixth sense for resolving the problem you're focused on. Simply put, you have ideas. You have the intuitive ability to know how to make money and understand how economics work at a very high level. You have common sense, business sense, and street smarts. This is my favorite part right here. You're able to see around corners and you have a future-oriented mindset. I, I love that. You're able to see around corners. And 
this is interesting. So Adam, let me just start by asking you, like, does that describe you? Is this you? Tell me about it. Oh, it's a little eerie. I, but I know myself very well too. So I start thinking about some of the bad things too. Like, oh yeah, that's me. And let's go a little bit further. Uh, it, can, uh, it can also have its great qualities, just like every other trait, right? Every personality has like your biggest strength can also be your biggest weakness. And so, yes, absolutely. But there's so much more to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think let's dig into that. So uh, like, I'd like to talk about the strengths first. We'll definitely talk about some of it. And I won't use it. The, the, I think the word weakness, we have to be careful using that. I, I think it's more like, what are some of the things that you have to be concerned with and be aware of if, you, if this yeah. is, because there could be a part where um, it actually could turn to a negative and actually pull you down. If you, it's like, I don't know, any superpower that you have, right, can be used for good or evil. So we have to decide yeah. out how to, how to use it and how to really harness it. So like what? Yeah, I think, I think we have to be aware of how it can be used for good and focus our energy on that. But it's self-awareness that helps you not slip into the bad side of a trade, I think. So. And I totally agree with what you said. You have to really know yourself. I think in all of this, like this, these next six episodes that we put on for all of you that are listening should be defining, you should really be thinking about who you are. And the purpose of this, why I wanted to dig into it, because some of you may have listened to the podcast with Gino and said, I, I don't know if that's me. Like we, we rolled through each of these really quickly. So now we're going to dive deeper into each of these traits and say, is this you or is this not you? And if it's you, here's what you, here's what you can do with it. And if it's not you, um, then what does that mean? Does that mean I can't start a real estate business? Does it mean I can't flip houses? Does it mean I can't be a wholesaler? Does it mean, what does it mean? So um, each, in each of these episodes that we do, what I want to, make sure of is that you understand that there, um, the, each of these traits, there's something about it and you could probably be at different levels in some of these. And I think this visionary one is a big one to, there's spectrum. There's a spectrum on this one for sure. Um, where you have some people that can think, um, you know, down the road, they can think maybe, uh, you know, they're at 10,000. I use aviation terms a lot. You're at 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet. Then there's those people that are at 30,000 feet that can see really far. And then there's the people who are on the moon. And then there's people like Adam who are on Mars, like so far, can see just see so far in the future, be this, this big visionary. And, um, and I think it's fantastic. But we also have to know, like, like we said in the beginning, how do you really focus this? So what are some things that you see that, um, like, what, if, if somebody brought this to you, maybe before you knew a lot about yourself and who you were, what are some of the things that you think would trigger this visionary type trait for somebody to say, you know what? I think that is me. Like we, we named a couple of them being innovative, um, seeing around corners, like seeing the future maybe a little bit before it happens or being a couple steps ahead of people. But what are some things maybe thinking back in your journey, some of the things that kind of alerted you to the fact that this is you? My parents gave me a very good piece of advice when I was a child and they, my father was an air force pilot you know, performance flying, uh, always trying to be the best of the best. And he just said, the biggest thing that you can do is get to know yourself and you've got to observe what your thoughts are when you're about to fall asleep. Like, what do you, what does your mind drift to when you're trying to like fall asleep or when you just lay down? And since, since I can remember, I would dream about the future. I would dream about the future and the possibilities of what could come. Uh, based on if I took this action, what would happen? If I took that action, what would happen? What if I did this or that? And I mean, you know, it evolved from uh, a very young age 
And so the funny part of that is just connecting dots that other people don't see. Like by the time I was 10, I was uh, running a full scale little business in our neighborhood, hiring kids to go get golf balls out of the, the streams. And then my sisters paying them to like wash them, clean them up. And then I'd sit there and hawk golf balls on the side. I mean, and make, you know, 12 grand at 10 years old. So um, just weird, like that's what I was dreaming about at a very young age. And my parents, my father specifically, uh, encouraged me to lean into that, to try and observe that and to be aware of where that can get me. And it was not probably until I was in high school that I started actually learning how to take the first bit of information. Uh, for anybody that has a heart, sometimes they, you know we can respond emotionally. For me, I'm in the middle of the spectrum. I can go either direction. And so I had to to realize that I need to observe my responses and my thoughts first and then figure out how to respond uh, and actually take action. And so that habit, that self-awareness, that uh, visionary trait, I think has been there since the very, very beginning of my life. Um, and so that's what I dream about every night. Uh, that's what I think about uh, almost all the time, almost compulsively so. Like, uh, you want to talk about my thoughts on what's going to happen in the real estate market over a 25-year arc based on hypothetical unknowns and how economics in different countries and globalization are going to affect, I mean, currency inflation and uh, all that jazz, like all of that. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting to, I, I feel like you, you had this quote that you just said, like, what do you think about as you drift to sleep from your dad? So your I think your dad was a Canadian, was a Canadian air force pilot. So he flew for the snowbirds. So he right? was part of the Canadian air force and he flew for the snowbirds. He was the, uh, the acrobatics number nine. So he'd fly straight at each other and do that. And I mean, just flew around the world and I mean, just all kinds of performance stuff. He's always been, how can you be the best of the best? And, uh, just what do you dream about when you fall asleep? That's one of the best indicators. If you can observe what your true nature and your personality is, because there's nobody involved in those thoughts as you're sitting there. It's just you. Where do you go? Where do you drift? And so that was the, the best piece of advice for me to learn who I am as a visionary. So. Yeah, that's cool. I, I absolutely love that. I think that that's the same kind of stuff. I feel like I would always think about that stuff too. Like, um, uh, like what's next? What's next? What's next? What's tomorrow? What's the next day? What's weeks from now? What's months from now? What's years from now? Like where, where do we go? And um, it's, it's interesting because now it's, as it's gotten worse, I'll say, or I should say stronger over time sure. with me, I feel like this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night now sometimes. Right. So <laughs> it, it, when you said that, I was like, man, that, that, that sounds interesting, but now it's kind of the stuff that almost wakes me up at three 30. And now I get to go in the office and start working and because I just sometimes can't turn it off. So maybe one of the downsides mm -hmm. of that is you're, we're constantly operating so far in the future too that, that we're not, um, uh, we can't turn it off or we can't even think. In the we can moment. miss being present in the current moment sometimes even. Because uh, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking about, I mean, we're sitting there the other day and we're watching, uh, you know, a show and a news flash comes on and my son's playing in front of me. And I'm thinking about how's that going to impact our business in 15 years versus uh, versus what's happening right in front of me. So I think, yeah, the double-edged sword of that is practicing, learning to build habits for myself with the feedback. So like we all have, I think the best way I can describe this is like vision has its, has its great gift, right? Like I'm always preparing for the future. I feel like I'm usually not caught on my heels or flat-footed. But at the same time, it can be difficult to be present 
at the same time. And so it takes uh, my willingness to hear feedback from my wife to say, hey, yeah, you need to practice presence with our children and actually figure out how to do that and build that in. And for some people, it comes very naturally. And for me, I have to consciously choose, hey, I'm going to be focused right now for the next hour on our kids and then build that habit to be able to balance that, that trait. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm maniacally thinking about the future almost like perpetually. So, yeah, you know, Gino in, in the same chapter talks about this visionary spectrum. So he basically talks about the fact that there's a, there's a spectrum. So from maybe one to 10 or what, however you want to rank it. But what he said is, like how much vision do you need? There's probably a lot of people saying, okay, well, I see Adam is somewhere on Mars. Maybe Bill's on the moon. Maybe I'm at 20,000 feet. Is that okay? Is that good enough? And he answers that in, a lot, in, in, in one specific way. So he says, there's kind of three factors in this when you look at a visionary and what they're able to do. And when you think of like Walt Disney and Elon Musk and some of these like visionaries, just like crazy, unbelievable visionaries, you see that they're these three things are redlined in what they're trying to do, which is a result. It needs this massive visionary who's at the top of the scale. And then depending on where you fall on this and the business that you want to build or what it is of these three questions can determine kind of where you're at. So this could be a good like litmus test for you if you're trying to determine if you have enough vision for where you're going. So these three things that he talks about is number one, the type of industry, Number two, growth aspirations. So where do you, how big do you want to get? Where do you want to go? And number three is the degree of market dynamics, meaning change, competition, complexity, those kind of things inside of that, that type of market dynamic. So I'd say for you, like if you want to build a company, so I remember showing up to my first mastermind meeting and Andy McFarlane was there and Andy and Justin were there and they were sitting there and they had businesses that were doing hundreds of houses a year and they weren't working on them. They were present with us for the three days that we were there and they never opened their computer or looked at their phone once. And they were, their emails, like Andy's, I was on Andy's buyers list and his emails were coming to me. And the guy's sitting right there and he's sending me an email. I'm like, who is doing this? And so I'm watching this and I'm looking at the business that he has that's doing a couple million dollars. It seems unattainable to me. I've never seen anybody do that, do something like that before ever. And I wanted that. So I knew that this is the real estate industry. I knew these growth aspirations. I wanted a big business. I wanted to be sitting there like he was and and making an impact on other people and not not doing work in my business. And I know that there's a lot of uh, change and competition and complexity, not necessarily a ton in our industry. People might complain about it, but look at like, Look at like McDonald's or, or Disney or, or uh, Amazon or like any of these other big companies that have competition. It's, it's like pales in comparison to that, right? So we're somewhere on a scale that I think is to the like lower third of this uh, when you compare it to you know, Tesla or Disney or some of these other companies that have like massive competition, massive complexity, huge growth aspirations. The industry is very competitive. So um, I think we fall somewhere that you don't necessarily have to have like Adam Ray type vision uh, to, to build a business like we have. I think I've, I've seen lots of people that aren't huge visionaries do a phenomenal job at this business. And sometimes um, some of the things that come up with, with a really high visionary become a potential like uh, roadblock too. So those three things, I thought it was interesting. Like how much vision do you need? Thinking about those three things and breaking it down. 
ideally, I want people to share this, this podcast with any entrepreneur. We're not just talking to real estate investors. We happen to be uh, wholesaling mm-hmm. and house flipping type businesses. But I mean, the podcast that I did with Gino in these next six, they're, they're for everybody. I think being an entrepreneur, um, it could be your kids. It could be like Adam when he was 10 selling golf balls. It could be me when I ha- opened up like a little candy shop in front of my middle school and, or I was selling baseball cards. I mean, I, I built a little like, I couldn't afford the nice plexiglass. Uh, this is when baseball cards were big, guys. It was like in the late 80s, okay? So, um, and we, I, I couldn't afford the really nice glass ones that all the, you know, 30, 40-year-old guys that were at the card shows selling cards. So, I made my own little plexiglass and little two-by-fours, made my own, took them to the card show, and I was trading and selling cards, just making money and hustling. And it's just, you know, what we were doing at that time. So, it's interesting to see who falls into this world of an entrepreneur and this visionary spectrum. So what do you think about that spectrum? Does, do you agree with it? Does it make sense? Or? Absolutely. I, so I, I got an entrepreneurship degree in college and one of my, the people that I respect the most is one of my entrepreneurship professors. His name is Dr. Jeffrey Cornwall over at Belmont. And it, I mean, he used to say, like, you have to have these traits in your company, but like the visionary role doesn't even have to be the founder or the owner um inside of that like you have to be able to understand it and then put somebody in place to do it but often the person that that has the action bias to be able to build a business uh, is not always the same person that can grow one slowly (laughs) and and very steadily right like uh part of the volatility that i've seen i think we've seen in huge growth and huge portfolio stuff and different things have have uh have been great but I think our, my staff have, has also seen quite a bit of whiplash in, I can, like, it, I'm pivoting uh, probably six times a day on where my thoughts are going with some of this stuff. I'm trying to be as productive as possible, and I've got two areas in my company that I'm responsible for. Um, and I think there's a spectrum for everyone. It's a language, almost. And it's, you know, some people speak it at a, a level one, some people speak it at a level 10. But don't count yourself out just because you're at a level four. Don't compare somebody else's uh, level nine with your level four. Just be honest and self-aware about your level four and what's going to get you to the next step. What's going to get your company to a level five in vision? And does that mean bringing somebody else along into the picture? And the great, great, great entrepreneurs are the ones that can see how they can put all of these traits together in a business and realize they don't have to fill them themselves. Um, I mean, you find a good visionary (laughs) that's up in the seven, eight range and you build a good relationship with them inside your business and you just put a harness on them and just let them run. And a lot of times you're going to end up uh, going really fast and doing a lot, going a lot further and seeing around corners and things that you never would have thought of, but um, it can be a benefit, but it also has its drawbacks too. So, it's for me, I, I know that my COO, Sarah Sabaka, man, you just talk to her about the whiplash that I give her because twice a week I run in here and I'm the Tasmanian devil in the office and I'm like, hey, we're going to do this now. We're going to go this way. We're going to, and, and so the vision is great and it also requires, I think, I've been humbled a couple of times with some big, massive mistakes that my action bias and vision in combination have created circumstances where I had to own and could be a hundred percent, one thousand percent responsible. Like this happened, this fell apart. It's my fault. We moved too quickly. I pushed you into action instead of planning better. 
and and I have to own that. And then I also have to temper that within our own organization. So you'll notice I'm the highest visionary person in, in our company. I will outweigh probably everyone else in vision, but there's some other stuff that I need inside of what Gino was talking about um, with problem solver. I mean, I, I need somebody that's on a lower scale of the risk taker spectrum who can actually, you know, pull me back a little bit and ask some better questions. And so I, I think I'm constantly trying to balance that right now as I've gotten into the middle stage of my career and understanding that it is great to have vision. It is wonderful. It also needs a, a really good specific team that's built for me to be able to maximize that trait. Uh, and if I don't take that into account on the way we're building our organization, then I'm either going to end up with people that are not like me and I don't understand why or just like me. And I don't want that either. So, um, so self-awareness inside of that is again, what we, what I point back to a lot of it. So. Yeah. I took two things out of that. One is, um, is we need a filter. So a lot of times like the visionary, if, if you look at traction in EOS, um, it talks about this visionary integrated relationship and then the rest of the staff and team, right? So the visionary is somebody who has a bunch of ideas, maybe 10, 20, 100 ideas a day. And they, they don't have a filter. They're just kind of they, the whiplash that Adam's talking about is go this way. No, go this way. Let's do this. No, let's do this. And in the same day, they might point the executor to three or four different directions. And they just they're like looking both ways, getting this whiplash, right? And not knowing which way to go or what to do. And because when, and especially when the, the visionary is typically the owner or creator entrepreneur, because the entrepreneurs, when we're defining this, having that vision, they've got to be able to see what's possible, see a problem. And they see what can, that they coming up with a solution. They have the vision to see the solution that is not out there. It's not created, or they're going to make something better, refine something, those kind of things. And when that happens, it's usually the creator of the business. So when you, when you look at it the other way, let's say we don't have vision and I'm just really good at making cupcakes and I'm a technician. If you ever read the book, The E-Myth, they talk about the technician, right? So I am good at making cupcakes. I may not be good at building and running a business and seeing the future of that. I just go, somebody says, hey, you're good at making cupcakes. Maybe you should open a cupcake shop. And then I open a cupcake shop and I realize that I really just want to make cupcakes. Like I don't care about building a hundred million dollar cupcake operation or I don't want to be the next Sarah Lee or whatever it is. And so the visionary says, okay, I want to be the next Sarah Lee. How do I do that? And maybe they are good at making cupcakes and they have that. So there's lots of different things. You, and so that filter, you need to have that filter on that visionary and so in the beginning, when there's no filter, it's just you. You can, you can only do damage to yourself. So you're, you're doing the execution and the vision in the beginning. And then when you start bringing on a team, that's when you can start, I think a lot of the issues may start coming up. But I think a visionary even left on their own, a lot of times what you probably see is just, I start this business and then I'm going to start this business. I'm going to add this other business and then this one and then this one. And, and, and you don't have any longevity in any particular idea. Yeah. Exactly. And you're just saying like, Oh, it's a deal junkie is what I look at in the real estate world. I was that in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. It's like, yes, 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 yes. Just saying yes to so many things. Because you don't have the filter. You don't have somebody saying, how are we going to do that? Because you don't care about the how. Like you care <laughs> about like, just I want to get there. I don't care. Like, don't tell me how we're going to get there, but I'm already there. Like I'm, I am already 20 years in the future. 
just come meet me over there. So, and then the second part for me is the execution. So like somebody who can actually execute on all these ideas and vision and stuff. And you talked about your COO, Sarah, who I've met, who's fantastic. And so what now what we do is when we bring somebody in who can actually execute on it, they become the filter and the executor on a lot of these things that we have. Now, as the, I think some of the issues that we find a lot of times is when you're the owner and you're the visionary and you're the one who's like, I want to get this done. I want to go this way. You got to have somebody who has a backbone that can be assertive and stand up to you and say, we can't do whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's back up. How are we going to, how do you see us getting there? And that phrase, I can't even tell you how many times my wife and Sarah use that with me. <laughs> they don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, let's back up. <laughs> don't tell me about the how. I just want to be there. Like, can we just get there? And why yeah. aren't we? Are, actually, it's not even like, can we get there? It's like, why aren't, why, we, why aren't we there yet? Yeah. Why aren't we already there? Like, we just had this conversation five minutes ago. Why is it not done? So it's, we, we have to, like you said, be self-aware of this and start thinking about it. But as you listen to me and Adam talk, we're kind of like laughing about it because, and, and not because we think it's necessarily funny that, that people have to deal with us, but it's the fact that we, we have been through this so many times and have screwed it up so often. It's, it's obvious that we've realized that we have to be self-aware of it and we have to actually like sometimes limit and govern ourselves sometimes to what we, what we say or think or do. Like, there, I got 20 ideas right now just talking to him and writing it down on this iPad that I just bought. That I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here going, I, I'll tell you what, here's how you know you're a visionary. You're doing something and you're thinking about three other things. Like you, you can't even focus on what you're doing. You probably have the attention span of like a goldfish. It's even worse than a typical, uh, you know, human or American right now, but your attention span is so short. Somebody be talking to you and you're trying to listen to the conversation that's going on like two people away because they, you heard something say real estate and you're just like, you're trying to pay attention to this person, but you're listening to that. Um, for me, one big thing that I notice is, and it's always the time when I'm not necessarily doing anything else. And for me, it's the, it's when I'm in the shower and I'm like washing my hair or, or, or you know, I, and I only take like, I'm a military guy. So my showers are like two minutes. I'm in and out. But when, when I'm, I, I, for me, I start like daydreaming of like an idea, something pops in my head and I'm completely focused on that. I kind of come out of my haze and I go, did I wash my hair? I don't know. Is the, is the shampoo bottle wet? I actually don't remember the last three minutes because I was completely zoned out thinking about this awesome idea. I have nowhere to write it down. It's always when I don't have my phone to write it in the notes or anywhere. And, and same thing, like I wake up and I, I might sit in bed for 10 minutes and just go, I got some great ideas. And then I walk out and they're gone. So if you are constantly coming up with ideas and you can't focus and you're distracted, ADD is a big one that a lot of people point to here, right? Um, ADHD, all this stuff. Like if you've ever heard these things, like your teacher is actually upset with you because you can't focus on what you're doing. This is probably your visionary trait coming out, I would suspect. Um, I, I was able to focus when I was little, but it's gotten worse. I think I've moved, I'm moving up the spectrum as I hang out with you guys and, um, <laughs> and, and spend more time with you. So. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that is true. I mean, it's the attention span, I think. It's almost like you can get a hit of dopamine by getting excited about a new idea. And then, and so you're thinking about a new idea. For me, uh, last year, last fall, I was sick and I was kind of, uh, the doctors had me in bed for like three weeks solid. 
And by the time I was getting out of bed and starting to move around, my wife is like, please go back to work because you need a place to focus this. Cause I had started like 16 different conversations. I had, I mean, my team was running and we bought and wholesaled like seven or eight houses in that time frame. And I was just sitting there on, on there making offers on the MLS, closed three flips by myself that nobody knew about <laughs> and uh, expecting all this other stuff to happen. By the time I came out of that three weeks, I had four extra side projects, a couple of properties nobody knew about. And I went and spent a million dollars of other people's money. And my wife's like, please just go back to work, get in your routine, focus your attention because you do so much better when you have that ability. <laughs> So that's a visionary, I guess, or at least that's me. So yeah, we need we need some support. Um, you know, and everybody's a little bit different. So I feel like I, I've seen some of your personality profile and, and know you well enough to know that that like uh, you you can delegate things. You're easy to give them up. You'll hand them off. It's not necessarily like holding on to it and being that detail oriented person. Um, and some of us have a little bit more of that detail side. So we can kind of hold like hold people's hand a little bit longer i know your profile and personality is more to the here it is get it done i don't care how you do it i'm out of here i'm going to move on to the next thing whereas i can show them at least maybe step one and two of ten and then there's some people who can uh i think when you when visionary meets like detail and perfection that's when you get this um uh what's the word i'm looking for like the people that wash their hands like 20 times in a row or uh yeah, OCD. Yeah, OCD. Yeah, obsessive compulsive. And so that's because you're you're kind of like you got this drive and you got the vision, but then you're also this perfectionist. So it doesn't really match. So the good, it's it's nice when when you have a trait like you and you understand it, where you you don't have all the detail orientation, but you have the you have the vision. So you're not you're not in a analysis paralysis all the time. You're not constantly obsessing over things to make sure it's perfect. And you also, it, you have the need to win and also the perfection and detail um, is not there. So you're okay with stuff, you know, you'll get it a certain amount of the way and then the team can take it the rest. And I think when you know that you've got to build the right team around yourself uh, based on who you are. And I think, you and know, my team looks dramatically different than your team. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, because you have that detail. You, you have that. That's always competing for, you can see the vision. And if you were going to do it, you know exactly how you would do it most efficiently and effectively. And so that perfection can, can get hooked onto the vision sometimes. But you've, I mean, you've been very self-aware about that too and had to communicate through that specifically with Nate, right? Like, I mean, there's just so much going on that you're, you've got, you've forced yourself to learn to, to give up that control and perfection. How have you done that? Well, I, I, I'd say it's, it was hard in the beginning. Like at the very beginning, I think when you don't actually, you don't actually know what it's like to hire somebody. You don't know what it's like to bring somebody in. Um, you actually don't know what you're looking for and you don't know yourself that well either. I, I had no cool. idea about this in the very beginning. So I was just basically building my, and I always kind of like went with my gut in the beginning. Like who are, like do these people and really it was a core value side. I was just attracting people that were like me and then like in the core value side of things and not necessarily to who they are and their talents and their, their more of their personality traits and stuff. And these, these character traits that we're talking about here, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to that then that I do now, because like you said, you've got to build out the right team. So for me, I had to become self-aware that I was a control freak and I, I do have the detail and actually delegating was hard for me to do. And it always has been because in the beginning I thought that, 
nobody can do this better than me. And not everybody thinks like that. Uh, some people are like, please take this, like do it. And just don't tell me about it. Just tell me when it's done. And I wasn't that. I, was, I, I wasn't always the person who would want to look over your shoulder while you're doing it, but I'm going to check your work. And that's the difference that I had, that I struggled with is that I always kind of want to go in and, and make sure that it was done the way that I want it done. And I wasn't, wouldn't micromanage you while you were doing it, but I might, um, I might do it. I might make a couple changes after you send it to me. And so that's something that I had to fight a lot. And what I realized is I would rather be at this point in my real estate company in blackjack, I would rather be operating with a profile like yours where I didn't have to be involved and I could delegate and not be detailed because where it's where I'm able to scratch my itches over here in seven figure flipping where I am more involved and I could spend my time there. So without this, I would be jumping back in that business and causing problems. I would be, um, I'd be blowing stuff up so I could fix it, so I could get more involved. Because nobody, you know, uh, visionaries, we don't like to be set aside to go out, like put out to pasture and not do anything. So we're going to find something to do. If it's not there, it's going to be somewhere else. So, I mean, if that, this is why most of these folks have, you know, 10 companies, 20 companies, 100 companies, you know, there's some, some of these guys that have 50, 60 companies and they're just, that's what they're, that's what they do. And they're really good at because they're, they're good at creating things. They're not good at necessarily finishing things. You know, it's like, here, here, I, I created this mess. It's going to be great. I can see it. I guess 10 years from now, I know what it's going to be. Uh, can you just take care of this for me while I go over here and create something else? So that's what, um, I, I, I watch you do it. I've watched myself do it. I've watched a lot of people do it. And I think that's one of the concerns if you're really high on the spectrum of the visionary spectrum that you just have to be self-aware. And I think you know, it's pretty obvious that you are, it's pretty obvious that I am. And hopefully everybody that's listening, they see where they are on all this. And, um, and it's okay to be low and you just have to see, like Adam said, which I thought was interesting. If you're a four on there, you can get your company to a four. And then if you, you probably don't even want to get it past a four and that's okay. But if for some reason you do, and you want to grow something a little bit bigger, you want to be involved in something that's bigger, you might need some help getting it to a six or an eight. And as long as you realize that, the, I think the problem comes when, when you're, you don't have the vision, but you try to get it to a place that you, you just can't see, like you don't, you don't necessarily know how to get it there. You just can't see it. So it's not something that uh, you're necessarily um, inclined to do. So I think most of the people that are fours and they want to run a business are probably going to run it at that level. And that's okay. But I think the, the biggest concern that I have inside of our mastermind group is when you have somebody who's a three or a four, it's, a, it's not as big of a visionary and they try to emulate that eight or 10 right out the gate. And what they do is they just overspend. They, they, they just don't see it. Um, they can't move as fast maybe and adapt and adjust and problem solve as quick and do some of these other things or, or be willing to take all the risks that somebody would be that's at that level. And then next thing you know, they're, they're struggling because they're trying to yeah. do too much too fast. And I've seen it a few times and not necessarily because usually it's the bigger visionaries that try to go too big, too fast and they can see it, but they don't, they, they everybody gets like blown away in their wake on the, along the way. And then they come, come out and go, well, what happened? I mean, I, I saw it and we just didn't get there. Yeah. It's the execution on the detail side and trying to like, cause I think one of the challenges and the downsides of vision is realizing that I don't, I do not have a realistic sense of scope of work, like how much energy, how much effort, how much P 
people, manpower, resources. Uh, I'm pretty good with money, but the people, the time, the communication, how do we roll this out? Like I do not have a hand, at, when I first started out especially, I can see it, so why can't we get there? I have these other holes. Uh, what happens with a visionary when they come in the group, I've seen it quite a few times, is they'll ramp up super fast, but they, don't, they, they didn't slow down to realize, oh, there's some of these other holes here of execution, communication, scope, and capacity, um, and they didn't have the self-awareness to know that about themselves yet. And for me, I just, I've done this long enough to know I have no touch with reality on how long something is going to take to do because I move at a thousand miles an hour and I do 28 things at once and people don't get how I can do so much. That's my grid, right? That's my grid for how everyone else should be. And the process of leadership, I think, is a process of self-awareness, learning what it is that you need and then learning to ask for it and be honest. Uh, about it. That is the perpetual journey. And as I keep going through that, I'm, I'm getting deeper and deeper into the fact that, uh, like, I mean, why can't we do that flip in a week? That used to be my conversation with contractors. Well, yeah, I would negotiate them down to the last penny and to make sure that we weren't overpaying from that standpoint, because I'm driven and aggressive but I didn't give them the space, the realistic understanding, because all I was focused was on the vision. So I think people who don't know themselves very well, who want to build a business very fast, um, often will miss those holes. And what, what they're missing is a hole in themselves to be able to communicate, delegate in a way that their team can actually follow, and they're not just dragging people behind them. So, and then And then you have the other end of the spectrum, uh, somebody that's a two on vision and you need to have conversations with other visionaries that are four, six and eight um, and then craft your own vision of what that's going to look like. So there is such a thing in my, in my entrepreneurship professor's opinion as borrowed vision. Um, you can borrow, that's what we're shortcutting, right? We're shortcutting uh, and you paid for uh, Andy's vision of what Andy's business could look like but you still have to do the work and tailor it to you. Um, I think the challenge is when somebody sees somebody's other like business, but hasn't thought through specifically how they're going to apply their own personality and the changes that might need to be made to be able to execute that same way. Um, you can, as a two visionary, be having discussions with a four and a six that you're going to relate to a lot better than trying to get to a 10 vision company and, and do it in a year. You know, hmm. that that's probably the most interesting thing that I've heard in the last few years, just because as you're talking, I'm thinking back to that first meeting and I always talked about like it was it was mindset thing. It was uh, the glass ceiling above my head. I mean, we, we're sitting here talking about we're reminiscing over the last years of, of, of the journey that we've been on. Right. So some wow. of you guys might be listening to this going. I have no idea where I am on this spectrum. Well, I didn't either. Like if you asked me this five or six years ago, I would have said, I don't even know what a visionary is. What are you talking about? And th so this journey has led me to this place that I can look back. And Adam just talked about kind of shortcutting the curve, right? You listen to this podcast because hopefully it gives you some valuable insights and information into what you want to do and where you want to go. But for me, I was sitting in there and 
if I had to put myself on the scale, I don't, I don't know. I'd probably be very low. I would have said, like, I, I had never even thought that that was possible. I worked for the government at that time. I was flying airplanes and helicopters for the Navy. I, I had been getting a paycheck from the government for like the last 10 years. When I was 10 years old, I was selling baseball cards. Now I was just working for the Navy. That's all that I did. I didn't have a side job hustle. I wasn't, I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur. Even when I was a kid, I didn't. I mean, all this is, this is looking back 30 years now of, of my, my journey and seeing where I am now and say, like, how did I get here? So when I saw that Andy had done it, I, so in putting this all together, I related to him. I respected him. I was amazed by what was possible. I had never seen it before. I, I, I got to know him and realized it was it, totally doable and I could do it too. And as I started going, if you asked me that first year, if I thought that I would be running a company that was doing millions of dollars, um, I would probably say, I don't know. I just, I, at that time, I just wanted to do 12 flips. I wanted to flip 12 houses that year. Like that was the, the type of industry was real estate. The growth aspirations were 12 flips in a year and the degree of market dynamics, change, competition, complexity. I wasn't that concerned about it. I, did, I would have told you I probably need to be like a, a two or a three on that scale. And I saw it. I had aspirations to do that, but I certainly wouldn't say that that's where I was going. I was going to do hundreds of houses a year. But um, then I saw, then I started seeing some success. I saw that it was possible and I was like, yeah, I can do it. Like if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, but you, so, so you built trust with yourself and said, oh, I am a six visionary. Like instead of what you thought because of your past experiences and you took the action to then learn a little bit and build some trust in yourself. It's a dynamic, almost like a conversation with yourself of, well, you're at a two uh, on vision and you want to get to a three because you want your business to grow. Like focus on the three, don't focus on the 10. How do you get there? And you got to build a little bit of trust with yourself in the visionary component work on it, build the habit. I mean, and then it grows and grows, but you're going to bolt on other pieces, but you, it's a journey of trust and building trust. And you're going to break trust with yourself when you go and do something and, and it doesn't work out too. Like it is a, but it's a dynamic conversation um, of where you're starting and where you want to end up. And I think the, the worst thing that people can do is count themselves out because they see an eight visionary and they, they're a two and it's a very, very long chasm between the two. Well, no, you, there might be a very significant need in the market for a company and an operator that can have the stability and consistency of a two. And if you want to grow that, you've got to do that and build trust with yourself, take an action, find a result, analyze it, take another action and in all of these areas, right? I mean, I think that's the journey. It's really interesting to watch all of us over the last five years. Oh yeah, for so. sure. And I, you know, I, I think the, I think the most compelling thing here for me is that I was, I was a visionary, but I had no idea almost. And, and that's, that's kind of yeah. a big takeaway for me was somebody listening to this, who's done nothing, who is a, has a full-time job and is interested in real estate and listening to this podcast or maybe, who's maybe super ADD and has been told that they're crazy their whole life. You are not broken. There is, there, there is an entrepreneurial world that is waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, come to our EA meetings, our entrepreneurial uh, um, 
Anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous meetings. Yeah. Come on, come on over to these meetings. And, uh, and I think, I think the key here is it's like, we, we are going to take, we got to take some action to figure out if this is our path or not. And so I think, because without that, I probably would have been this like pent up visionary and entrepreneur inside that just was never let out of the cage. Right. And so what would happen if, if the, the true entrepreneurs were never allowed to to, uh, or encouraged or, um, or kind of forced out of their shell to go do the things that they do. I, the cool thing now as I dig into like working with entrepreneurs and, and feeling like one and being part of this club is that th- like, the world does not change without us. And we are the future of, of innovation, of change, of inventions, of everything that happens is so cool that it takes that like that 1% of the population to make these changes. And if you had like the, the bigger vision, like go, if you see something or you want to do something, go after it. Like there is a way to make that happen. Go do it. A lot of us sometimes are just a little bit too, too scared or not unsure, or it's not the norm or our, we don't have the support from our, our family or our friends or any of these things. And we're different than everybody else. So, that's what I love about our meetings. Like when we come together and when we spend time together, whether it's even just a Zoom call or our in-person meetings or Flip Hacking Live in October, it's just a bunch of crazy entrepreneurs getting in one room and we're all the same. We're all talking about the same stuff. You're like, these are my people. Like this is where I can spend time. This is where I don't feel isolated. I feel like I'm part of a tribe and a crew and and other people are just like, there's people that are crazier here than me. Like this guy is thinking <laughs> yeah. bigger than me. We're I thought, all a little bit crazy. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> but, but crazy becomes the norm there, right? So like now we just yep. feel normal. And when we go home, we feel like, am I the only one who like can't pay attention to this movie right now? Because I'm thinking about 50 different. And that, that comment that that guy just made gave me an idea for another business. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why aren't we doing this? Or, or oh my gosh, the chairs and I could design a whole new chair in this movie theater that could have this and this and this. And why aren't why don't we have that? So like, there are people just like you, and we're we're out there, and there's all different levels. So come come join us in our uh, our EA meetings, our uh, our our wonderful our, our wonderful culture um, that we have. So like, uh, drink the Kool Aid with us. It's it, I mean that's what it, that's what I love about it. I love getting together because. It always breeds ideas. But I think what people miss, though, like, I mean, come on. I went through entrepreneurship school, came out of school. People still didn't know how to start businesses. But, like, the hardest thing to do is to do this journey alone. The, like, the most helpful thing is to do this journey in community and to realize that there is no perfection. There's no such thing as perfection. And to, to find a group of people that you relate to and you can say, on a bad day, Hey, Bill, I just got my clock cleaned on this thing. What would you like? I just talk me off the ledge. That's the language that we use on the board sometimes of like, talk me off the ledge. I'm feeling like firing this person. This is what happened. Like it's, it's a rough road. And I don't think people were meant to do it alone. I think what people try to do is they try and emulate somebody else without getting in a community that's headed that direction. And so the problem becomes, they're trying to build trust with themselves, but they don't have a guide and they don't have a running mate and they don't have somebody that's going to, you know, ask them a really good question who gets that they're just a little bit crazy and they don't have another option. 
they're in this business and they're going to figure it out. Um, and so, I mean, I would invite anybody out there that's a little bit nuts, a little bit ADD, a little bit vision uh, to take a chance and find some people. And if we're your people, come join us and, uh, and we'll laugh a lot. We'll have fun. Like there's a huge market shift. I'm a hundred, probably a hundred percent a visionary and there's a bunch of change happening right now. And my wife is like, what happened? And I'm like, I think I was bored for the last 18 months. <laughs> I'm really excited now. There's a lot of problems to solve. There's a lot of challenges ahead. And for whatever reason, that gets me up early, gets me motivated because I can see it coming. And I'm really excited. So um, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. No, I think, I think it goes to all that stuff. That goes to the visionary. It goes to the risk-taking. It goes to the problem-solving. It goes to the drive. It goes to the passion. It goes to all of those things. And um, I feel the same way. I'm like, look, I, I don't know. There's uncertainty ahead. There always is. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Like tomorrow's a mystery, right? So for me, I really, uh, I really enjoy this stuff. And if this doesn't kind of pump you up and get you excited and, and say, Hey, it's the future is a little uncertain. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, good, bad, ugly, all of these things. I'm ready to go through. I'm ready to go to battle. I, I want to be the first one up. I'm going to be the first one to, to run to that, that building. I'm going to be the first one to like, these are the, the people that change the world. These are the leaders. These are the people that, um, that make, make change. And so it's, well, I, it's have a, cool. I have a question for you from a vision perspective for people listening. Cause I know for you and your story, sorry, I'm going to take over the interview for a second. Please do. <laughs> um, your story. I mean, with your detail, you had vision that you were almost trying to push down a little bit and detail and execution that was very prevalent. And I remember discussions about two years ago, two and a half, when you were going on board with, with Justin at the time to be the COO, that you were trying to push down your vision because there was somebody else in the company that had some vision that was running. And what was that process look like? And then talk to us all the way through about how you were, uh, what questions were you asking of yourself? How did you come to realize that you wanted to go in more of a true visionary seat, develop that and cultivate that? And then in, at least in your real estate investing business, start pushing down the detail execution. So you're modifying from your basic personality to sit in some of the seats that you are. Other people are going to go through the same process in their own entrepreneurial journey. That change can be very difficult. What was that like? What did you do? What would you credit with success through mm. that? Yeah, great question. So the, I guess hopefully everybody understands that, but in my real estate business, when I came on to help, I was a, one of the coaches for seven figure flipping for a while, uh, for about a year before I started doing more as like the COO type role, this operation, operational person. And when I was doing the coaching, what I realized was I was taken away from my staff. So I didn't have a COO in my company. I was the visionary and the integrator of the company and I can do that stuff. I can do the detail stuff. And so when, when I came to work with Justin Moore in seven figure flipping, I said, it's not fair to my staff that I, I don't feel like I'm giving them enough time and attention as it is right now. So I need to find somebody to come in and be the COO. So that's when I hired Nate, who has a profile very similar to me. We're very similar people. Um, his vision, he doesn't have as much vision as me. He's like one rung down, which I think is a good fit when you bring somebody in. If you're going to be the visionary and you're going to sit in that seat, you shouldn't bring somebody in as your integrator or COO or whatever you want to call it that is, has more vision than you. That's going to be trouble. And then when I went over to work with Justin, 
I was used to running my own company and making my own decisions. And so now I was, um, I had a visionary who was like, I was the, his filter, right? So I was the filter of that visionary. Fortunately for me, his profile, he's a very big visionary like you. So my, he, he's, he's on Mars with you. And if I'm on the moon, I think he's on Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't worked for you. I've worked for him, but some of the things that you do remind me a lot of the things that he was doing. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so it was a challenge to, um, with somebody who has that much vision when you can't, you can't see where they want to go, especially with the detail side that I have. Uh, a lot of times it's hard. It's hard to, and I didn't necessarily realize this until after I bought the company. So now looking back, I know a lot of the things that were challenging for me that I didn't really see were challenging for me um, because I was used to, and then, so, so let me move back a little bit. Nate took over my real estate company and was the COO there. When I unplugged from that and I was able to remove myself from that completely, um, that, it, felt, it felt good. And when I started seeing what it was like to not have to be detail oriented and do all those things, it was kind of nice to, um, to, to be able to, to do that. And so I, what I did was, I think it was an easy modification for me because I was able to do a lot of the detailed stuff that I actually like doing and uh, more of a create that, that's a creative outlet for me is the detail stuff, like the, the turning of the dials and running the numbers and seeing the, the, the economics. I like the economics and the numbers. And so when I moved over to the, to the, the seven figure flipping company with Justin, um, I struggled a little bit because he has like no detail at all and, and, a, and more vision than me. So when it comes to that and I have, I'm a visionary too, like I can, I see where I want to go and where he wants to go and we're going to two different places. It's really hard when you're used to owning your own business and running your own business and to be, to be the one calling the shots, to have to move your vision like to, to where you're going and to line it up with somebody else. So that was the struggle that I had was like really lining up to see where he wanted to go and just saying, okay, I'm, I'm willing to go there even though, I, and this is looking back, like now I've made changes to where I want to go with the company and what I want to do, which were a little bit different than where we were going together. Um, so that was the struggle that I see now because, and that was what was holding me back, I think, and not really like unlocking my potential because I was having to to realign everything with somebody where somebody else wants to go in their vision. So if you are a visionary, like you probably don't work that well with others. Um, like if you're a big visionary, you probably are not interested in letting other people tell you where you should go. Um, you, you want to take, you want to go wherever you want to go. And so when that happens, it can become a little bit of a conflict. And I don't, I don't think you'll hit your true potential until you really like unlock what's available. And so I remember when, when Justin and I came up with a, with an agreement, for the company, uh, I could not sleep for almost, almost a month. I couldn't sleep and I wrote like 40 pages of notes. I love this iPad, by the way. I was able to have my assistant scan all the notes and I uploaded them into this iPad now that I have them all here. And they're not just sheets of paper, but it's like 40 pages of paper of like new programs I wanted to start, new, new direction that we wanted to go, what I wanted to do with Flippacking Live and all of our events and, and our mastermind members and some of the, like the pricing and, and, and updates. And the vision just came pouring out. <laughs> completely, completely. And that's what kind of woke me up to the fact that I, I wouldn't say that like sandbagging is the right term, but I just didn't feel like I was like, my potential just wasn't, 
wasn't being utilized the way that it should. And it's probably just because I, I didn't even feel that way while I was doing it, while I was the COO and running it. I was just like, yeah, okay, I can do this. I, but um, when that happened, I feel like it just unlocked a whole nother world, which was so exciting. Like I, I was so pumped up with it. I'm so, you guys can probably hear it on the podcast. If you came to the event at Flip Hacking Live last October in 2019, you probably saw it. It's, there's just, I'm so much more passionate for some reason now that I'm able to take this where I want to go. And I think as a visionary, that's it. Like that's how you get fulfilled is that you take like true ownership of what you're doing. You, you, you're driving the bus. It's your ideas. You can see what's, and now uh, you know, the people that are working with me here are struggling to keep up with where I want to go. I'm like, why aren't, when we have this done, why isn't that, why aren't we there? And, and honestly, like, um, I, I'm definitely not as high of a visionary as a lot of people, but that, that side of the business you asked, like modifying and things like that, like I have actually gotten a lot better at being the true visionary than the detail stuff. Now the detail stuff now that I'm used to not doing it, it's, uh, I can get, I can get stuff like 70% of the way, but there's people that are a lot better than me that can take it all the way to the goal line. So, um, yeah. that's, that's how I feel. I, and I actually am filled up by doing the, um, the bigger things than, than the detail stuff. Like the day-to-day -day stuff is yeah. tough now. And you can't, once you, you can't really go back to that. You can't stuff. go back. <laughs> yeah. the, I, I'd say, yeah. I'd say the one thing that I've seen that I'll recommend for any visionary that's listening is the issue that I have. And Nate and I talk about this a lot. And, um, and Adam talked about it a little bit is, um, he, you talked about your team, like building your team around you and who you are. And so if you're at that place where even if, even if you're not there now, you have to realize this, that the right person, people ask me all the time, like, I, I want to hire a CEO. Can I use your ad? I'm like, no, like, we don't have an ad. It's like, who, who are you? What do you need? We created an entire event that we did just based on this, but building your team around you is really, really important. Like my, my lead manager is not going to look like your lead manager. Probably my COO is definitely not going to look like your COO. My salespeople might not look like your salespeople. It's like who you build the team around is, is it's, it's like a living organism, what your company looks like. And as, and, and when somebody moves out of there, it can affect the entire team dynamic. Not just, like one of your salespeople leaves it could affect the kind of salesperson you might need to bring in next. So it can be a bit of a domino effect, but you really have to understand who you are and who your people are to understand kind of how you're going to build it out. So the biggest, the COO thing is the biggest one. Like the person who's going to run your company, you have, it's got like a yin and a yang, you know, you've got to figure out what your puzzle piece looks like that fits to you. And that goes for that person and, and a lot of your team. So what I noticed is when like Nate and I fit really well together, but when he came in, the other people that we had on the team didn't fit well with me and Nate now. They fit fine with me, but they didn't necessarily fit with us. So the problem that we have with being visionaries like that is, number one, we just want the answer. Like, just give us the, give me the solution and I'll keep going. No, uh, so, I don't even want the answer. I just want the result. Yeah, I just want it done. <laughs> but like, but the big thing with the COO thing is like the visionary just wants, like, I just want the COO. Like, just tell me what the, tell me what the answer is. I'll find that person. We'll just go, we'll make it happen and, and it'll be fine. And a lot of times now when we give direction to our staff, we tell them you want the result, like you give them the result. And this is the biggest issue that I have uh, is we show them, we show them the goal line, we show them the finish line, but we don't show them any steps along the way. And they're not visionaries. 
or they're, they're, they can't see it. They can't see past step two and you want them to do through step 10, but you're only telling them the, the, the goal line and the finish line. So you have to be really careful as a visionary in managing your people. And, 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 and that goes for anything. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the spousal relationship. It's your kids. It's your, um, it's the guy who's coming to paint the house. It's, it's the guy who's doing the, the landscaping. You're like, yeah, I just wanted to look good. Like you just, the detail side of things you just don't worry about. And then, then when it's done, you go, well, that's not what I wanted, but it's your fault. It is your fault. So everything is hundred percent our fault. So for me, I, I really have to slow down. I have to take a step back and I have to say, okay, like, did I give enough information here? Did, can they see it? Do they know step-by-step step of what I want to do? Because usually I just tell them the finish line and then I'm just kind of pissed off when it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen as fast as I thought it could. Because like you said, I didn't give them the resources that they needed. I didn't think about the manpower and the time that it takes. It's unrealistic. So now what I really have to do is say, all right, team, this is where I want to go. This is how, like, and I don't even say this, how we should get there. Like they got to figure that kind of stuff out, but this is where we want to go. Is this a realistic timeline? Do you have the information that you need from me? Do you have the resources? If there's any barriers along the way, do you see them now? If you don't see them when you see them, let me help you resolve them. And just constant feedback loop. Because what it was before is, is that thing done yet? Like, what? okay, no, that's not wrong. Like, we've got, they've, they did all the work. They got to the finish line. And I'm like, you guys ran in the other direction. So now it's more touching base with them throughout the, throughout the period. So that's the biggest kind of like gotcha and lesson learned that I've had over the past few years is really just realizing that there's different types of people out there that think differently, act differently, but they're all needed. They're all great uh, fits and you just got to put your puzzle together with the right people in the right way. So, yeah, you know, Gino talks about, uh, he's got, he's got one chapter of uh, kind of what do you do if you don't have the visionary trait? And so Right here, he says, it's a very short chapter with visionary, by the way. Um, he, it's, it just says, uh, it means you'll really, you, and you said it, you won't be able to connect the dots and see the big picture. Um, so if you have all the other traits and not this one, you'll probably make a great salesperson is what he says. So salesperson make a lot of money with your passion, problem solving skills, strong work ethic, ability to take risks and sense of responsibility. But you're just, you might be the person who just needs to create revenue and money for the company. And, um, and probably really good at sales. So a lot, of, a lot of you that are listening might be really good salespeople and that's what you're good at in the real estate field, wholesaling, flipping, you know, talking to sellers, uh, building rapport, doing all that stuff. Um, but if you don't have this vision, um, maybe that's, this, that's, that's a great place for you. So a lot of areas, that's the technician that moves into a business owner and says, I hate this owning this business. This isn't what I thought because now I have to do all this other junk. And you just don't have the vision. So they go back to doing what they did before as a technician. So I'd encourage, I'd encourage the, the E-Myth is a phenomenal book too about this kind of concept of um, do you have the vision? Do you have the, are you just the technician or are you the business owner and leader? I just hired a guy like that who's actually coming on uh, to do sales. So he's, so for the longest time, I mean, I, I know that in my company, nobody does it quite like me, blah, blah, blah. I'm the best, yada, yada, yada. There's the ego of the visionary. Um, and yeah, I do have historically the best closing rate. But then when I would hire people that were like me, we would have conflict uh, in how we do it and how they would do it, how I wanted to do it, how their results versus my results. 
And so the last couple of times as we've been bringing people in, we're really conscious of how the vision trait is going to affect their long-term longevity and their, des- their happiness, you know, completely their happiness in, uh, in working with us for the long term because that high vision trait, I love it. It's also not going to, you know, if we put 10 of those in a company, they're going to rip the whole company apart uh, if they haven't come together as a team. So I think uh, you're absolutely right. And that's the, that's the challenge. I think people do get in and they're like, hey, what's the answer to hiring a sales rep? Well, it's a, you know, it's, it, it's the right person that's self-motivated, that has enough vision to see it, but not too much that they want to do it on their own that works well with your personality and you've also developed the hiring skill to weed out, you know, just the, the gut feelings and stuff like that to be able to actually get into some of the deeper stuff. And then how are you going to lead them over the next year? All of that is subjectively uh, going to contribute to whether it's successful or not. So there's not a formula and there's not a, this is the one size that fits all but it's maturing in the process of understanding yourself and how to break apart, how that's going to impact the team. And then you can say, ah, I'm going to start and I'm going to test by trying to find this kind of person. So when I bring them on, uh, they're going to complement in such and such a way. And then I broke trust with myself because they failed. So now I learned a lesson and now I got to do it again and again and again. And that's the fortitude that, in any entrepreneurial situation, I think that people have to develop. And so the biggest thing I can say about like the uncertainty in market shifts, like this was expected. Everybody expected it. And we didn't know when or where it would come from, but I've been doing work on myself in fortitude, resilience, uh, positivity, habits, building my physical health by I went vegan last year almost basically and all these different things that like I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready because I know I've built the resilience um, and I also know that I don't have everything figured out and just because I can see options and solutions doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to get there by myself. I need a lot of other people if I'm actually going to build a business. Yeah. And there's when I think the the biggest tip that I can give you guys as we kind of close this out is if you're building out a team, like there should, and you're small and you're new, like you've got to hire people that have some vision. Yeah, in the beginning, you have to. If you're hiring people totally. that don't have any vision, you're going to be casting the vision, holding their hand through everything. So, but the one caveat that I'll say to that is be careful hiring somebody that has more vision than you in the beginning Correct. until you're yep. ready for that. So, right now in Blackjack, nobody has more vision than me in that company. Like they just, they don't. And Nate, Nate Nate and I are very close and he's able to, and if I wanted to completely blow that thing up and go, well, I don't know. He's, he's, he's got some, he's got some, we're starting to get to the point where they are competing for like, they're, they want to go really big. And I, I was sitting in our last quarterly meeting going, whoa, like I, I wouldn't even talk this big. So it's interesting to start watching this, watching it develop. And I'm totally behind them. But if, if I didn't have the, vi- it wasn't the visionary that I was, I'd be like, whoa, pump the brakes, guys. We're definitely not doing that. And then my team would just start getting beat down. They, would, they wouldn't be fulfilled. They wouldn't be enjoying it. And if they don't have enough vision, then you know, we'd have to be pulling them along all the time. So think about that when you're, when you're growing your company in the beginning. Um, you'll find, you might even look at your staff right now and go, ah, I was wondering why this person is, 
just takes so much work. I have to tell them what to do all the time. I have to give them feedback. They're constantly asking for direction. Um, they don't understand what I'm talking about or what I'm asking them to do. And I have to baby them and I have to hold their hand. It's probably because they just can't see the future. They're, they're down in the grass when you're up at 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 feet. So, um, so think about that when you're kind of hiring and interviewing people and just kind of ask them, ask them what they think about, ask them what they dream about, ask them what, what they want to do in the future, ask them what that looks like. They're like, I, I don't know. I just kind of just want to get a paycheck. Um, I can't even <laughs> actually think about tomorrow. I really just want to get through today. So um, it's, it's interesting to, to start thinking about that as you start building a team and understanding who you are. But I, hopefully you guys got the understanding what a visionary is, I think is pretty obvious. If you just listen to us talk for an hour, then it's pretty obvious how, uh, how much vision these two people have. So like, what are you thinking about? Where are you, where do you fit on the scale? And you might be that, um, that like closet visionary that it ne just needs to, you know, be helped and you need to take some action. You need to jump. You need to get, go do something. You need to get out of your comfort level and go try it. And the biggest thing I'll say is this is a journey along the way. So we're looking back five years, 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years and seeing the path that we went on. But just like Adam said, the only way that I could even have this conversation now is if I jumped in the beginning. So like I had to go, I had, I had this kind of like dream to do it. I wanted to do it. And I didn't just say that I wanted to do it. And I knew I wasn't going to be you know, 70 years old saying, Oh, I wish I tried out real estate. Like it's just seems like it was, could have been such a great journey. Like I just said, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to see if I like it. I'm going to see if it's for me. And fortunately it was. And for some of and you, everybody it, watching you in the podcast, it's been perfection the whole time with no sleepless nights and no, yeah. you know, struggle and uncertainty. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, you, you'll hear, I, I'm not going to be the person who uh, paints it all with the, the perfect paintbrush, right? And tells you that everything's uh, roses, butterflies and rainbows and things. So, um, and it's, it should be obvious on here. I mean, I, I shared the, my 2019 year in review and that certainly wasn't perfect. It was far from it. And uh, my 2020 um, word was clarity and I'm still trying to get clear on where we're going this year. So there's <laughs> lots of, you know, lots of things that um, I've, I've failed dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times. And I love it now. Every time I do, it's just one step closer to a win. So it's just the, every, the way that we think and the way that we act. And I'm a totally different person than I was five years ago. And I thank all the people that have, you know, been, been on this journey with me. And there's, there's thousands and thousands of people inside this community that are here still that aren't here anymore that have, you know, input something in me that have, whether it was to, what to do or what not to do. And it's just been great to, to go on this journey. And I'm so excited about the next 10, 20, 30 years of it. Um, obviously doing life with you, Adam, and the rest of the board members and, and everybody else that's in our community that will come into our community. That's going to come to our event in October at, at, in Orlando at Flip Hacking Live that um, is just going to listen to the podcast and reach out and, or, it, you know, just say, Hey, we, I love what you're doing. Leaves a review. Any of those people like, we do this because I love it. I love to entertain that. We like to put, I like to build this content. I love to have these conversations because I'm taking notes just like you guys. Like I have notes and notes that note that I have from Adam. What do you think about as you drift to sleep? Like this is highlighted in red. It's, it's all right here. Like these are the things that I love that. Like I'm going to start thinking about that stuff. That's, it's going to be something that I, that may, I pass down to my kids that I asked. I told my kids, you know, tonight, tomorrow, my five-year-old, he right now he's, he's being molded into who he's going to be in the future. And I'm so pumped to 
be a part of that and uh, take some of the stuff that your dad shared with you and share it with my kids. And I mean, I, this is personal and self-development for me. I love it. Anyway, um, so, okay. That you, if you know, are you a visionary? That's the question that I'll ask you. Are you a visionary? Yes or no? And it could be a maybe, it could be an unsure, it could be I think I am, it could be I'm definitely not. Uh, but at your some point on there. So now the next step is, what are you going to do? Like, what's the decision that you're going to make? Maybe you've been listening to this podcast for a year, two years, five years. I don't know. Maybe you have been going to seminars and not taking action. Maybe you've been taking tons of action and you got a staff of 10 or 15 people just like us. Great. Like, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to spend time with you. You fall somewhere in there. Decide what your next step is. Like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it should be or what it is. You know. And, uh, and obviously we have a ton of resources for you guys, uh, with everything that's going on. We're trying to roll out some, some awesome videos for you guys, some, uh, training, some different things that you can use. Um, cause I think this is the, this is the time to, to learn about wholesaling, to learn about flipping, to jump in, to become part of a group, not to feel isolated, all of those things that we talked about. And then we have an incredible event in October that there's not a single person that's listening to the podcast that shouldn't attend. You should go to flippackinglive.com right now. You should buy your tickets before we start raising the price up and you should commit to doing something. And that's it. October 15th through the 17th. Come join us. That's an event. Like Adam will be speaking there. All these guys that you hear over the next podcast, six podcasts are going to be speaking there. And it's just going to be, a, it's an event like no other. So we have an awesome community. We have a great culture. We're all helping each other right now get through all the uncertainty and everything that's happening. Like this is the insurance policy that I love that I have. So um, I'm excited about it. So. Now's the time, now's the chance to build trust with yourself after listening to this podcast. Make one decision to take action in one way, whether that's buying a ticket or something else, and then do it. Whether you succeed or you fail, when you take the action, celebrate it, and that is a success, I think. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for sharing your vision on this podcast with us. And um, I think we need to create the uh, entrepreneurial Entrepreneurs Anonymous uh, organization. Right, <laughs> right. We'll get working on that. Another organization to start. And lead. That's it. That's it. It's like, uh, I love it. All right, man. Hey, it was good spending time with you. I learned a lot. I'm thankful for you and everything that you do for us in the community, for all of your, the time that you spend with us, the, 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 the go-giver that you are to all of our Mastermind members. I mean, it's amazing. The, the cruise was so awesome to have. Uh, have you on the feedback was incredible about how you're uh, impacting everybody and i really appreciate it and being a mentor one, for one me of the greatest well. pleasures of my life is getting to participate and learn in this group so awesome so well, thanks for hanging out with us guys and again if you want to get a ticket flip packing live go to fliphackinglive.com october 15th through the 17th in orlando florida I'll make sure Disney World's open because I have a ton of plans at Disney World uh, right after that event. So uh, it's going to be a fun event. I can't Me wait. Too. I'm pumped about it. And uh, I can't wait to see you again soon, Adam. All right. You too, buddy. Bye, man. See ya. Thanks for listening to the 7 Figure Flipping Podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com.